Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Tastes like homemade. Grab a Cully and Sully for soup season. Go loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to another episode of Dishing It Out with me, Gary O'Hanlon. And me, Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast sponsored by Cully and Sully. And we have a cracking show for you today. Coming up, my good pal Lawrence Kinlan, the actor. Most of you might know him as Elmo out of Love Heat. He'll hate me saying that, but, you know, he's got a brilliant body of work and he is food mad loves cooking uh, really really decent at the oil pots and pans and we were keen to get him in and uh, looking forward to talking to him we will have our gadget of the week as always and your questions so get them into us at dishing at goloudnow.com so straight into it gadget of the week this week Gareth let you go first yeah I, t- I done something around knives a few weeks ago and I got a couple of messages just saying that people found it really interesting that when I broke it down to the knives you should own so I'm going to extend that little bit into a, a water stone so a water stone is uh, how you get your knife sharp so to break it down in real layman's terms is uh, a steel is how you keep the, the edge on your knife so it will never sharpen a knife for you you need to invest in a small little thing called a water stone you'll pick one up on any of the websites where you can buy stuff online you don't need to spend mad money on them like I think 30-40 quid is probably the, the, the money you, you can get an oil stone as well I think they're harder to use I prefer a water stone so when you buy a water stone you just submerge it into a little bit of warm water into a bowl or in, into a, a container and I like to put a tiny little bit of washing up liquid in there and then most of them come with a little um, they come with a little bracket that will sit on your countertop so you just get the same as your chopping board so you get a cloth a nice damp cloth you put it underneath the stone or if it comes in a little bracket and then there's a million videos online on how to use a, a water stone but basically you just push the blade along the stone in one direction and you repeat that process two or three times on one side and then you turn it over and bring it back I actually think I shared a video online on my Instagram I think there's one up there to how to use a stone but really when your knives become a little dull and what that means is and the, is steel, that, and the steel isn't enough the that's, steel isn't that, enough that's exactly. when you bring out the stone that's when you go right my knife. and look if you go and you spend pick one of the big brands if it's worth stuff or global or wherever you bought a, a good chef's knife after we said to buy one a few weeks ago I would say after about two months really if you have been religiously using your steel you'll probably find it needs a little going over on a on a, a water stone and like so in professional kitchens the guys and girls will be their knives will be landing on a stone every couple of weeks really just to bring them back to life and then throughout the whole day you hear the sharpening of knives on a steel so um, that's a gadget that is relatively inexpensive but you could not live without in a professional kitchen yeah no good one yeah so for me I'm going to go with either a soft one or or a stiff one, which is a spatula, right? I have a couple of different ones. So last week or the week before, um, we were referencing like Le Creuset's and Stobbs and cast iron pans and Teflon pans and different stuff. Now, what what is absolutely key whenever you have pans or pots and pans like that is whenever you're cooking a casserole or whether it's a shepherd's pie or a braise or a stew or whatever it may be. But we probably, and from memory, I know we didn't really talk 
much about it but whenever you're stirring that the last thing you ever want to be using is a metal spoon on, on the base of these things so you know it could be wooden spoons I've got wooden spatulas wooden spoons I've got more of them that are like plastic ones that, that have been in there for a long time but these spatulas I have you see the ones that we would have in a lot of the kitchens Gareth the maroon handle and then the yeah, white they're heat resistant they're, they're, good about they're, them. and they're heat resistant because you're always sort of maybe sitting them or sitting them on the top of the pot or sitting in it it's a pet peeve of mine I don't like doing it but chefs do leave them behind they're on the go on the fly moving all the time so it's absolutely imperative that you've got a couple of those whether it's a little quick scrambled egg that you're making as well and you don't want anything scraping if you're making an omelette you want to be moving something flipping it over the little soft spatulas are absolutely fine and as I say then the ones with a stiffer handle so basically you'll get a couple off them the the stiff ones are brilliant for the more heavy duty stews and cassoulets and things like that there softer ones for scrambled egg and softer dishes risottos and stuff like that but a really really uh, valuable little simple bit of kit to have in, in your drawer for whenever you're you're cooking and using some of those pots and pans that we would have referenced. A Do few you remember back. when you started that the pans were aluminium in kitchens, yeah. and that's where like you, you did? I remember being taught how to make a bechamel, and the chef was saying to me, "Don't ever use steel on on an aluminium pot because it'll tarnish the yeah, sauce." Yeah, because you'll you'll always you'll taste you'll, you'll taste the aluminium you'll, off you'll, the sauce. You'll taste it and you'll see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> now I think most do you either use uh, copper or, or stainless steel so I don't know whether the steel on steel actually tarnishes the flavour anymore I think that was more the the aluminium era but I would definitely that's a habit that stayed with me forever it's if I'm ever making a sauce it'll always be a wooden spoon or more of late mm-hmm. this new Teflon uh, yeah. spatula yeah great yeah. call and, and the thing about those spatulas as well they've got such a fairly maybe like you're looking at about an inch and a half to two inches of a flat surface at the tip like so say you're making a stew or anything you know, or even it's a shepherd's pie or a bolognese or whatever. And as I always, you know, say if I'm teaching somebody or talking to somebody in the kitchen, even if it's wee core or Ollie and you're making something, and you can get it absolutely flush at the base of the pot when you turn down that heat and you want to leave something to plop away and bubble away, you run that against the bottom and you'll feel any impurities at all. And it's a great way, you're not scraping the bottom, an absolutely essential bit of kit as yeah. far as I'm concerned. And if you're going to spend a lot of money on the pots and the pans, the last thing you want to be doing them is wrecking them then with a cheap metal spoon. Today we have in studio, I'm straight out say, a great old pal of mine, um, as half the country knows him as Elmo. Uh, I learned that the hard way going to a Man United game just a few weeks before Christmas with him. It took us about an hour to get on the plane uh, with selfies being taken off him. A great, great pal of mine, mad about his food. I'd say the two or three people in the media that I see cooking on Twitter here and there, Lawrence has always jumped out as somebody that loves to scoff and loves to cook. Cook. Welcome to Dishing It Out, brother. Thank you very much. Loves the scoff. I'm kind of going, well, yeah, well, if looks could kill. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, great, man. Yeah. It's been you've been good pals for many, many years. You know Gareth quite well also. But again, you know, I always think of Connor Wilson, who writes for the Times, you know, it's prime time now and again. I don't know any chef that barbecues as well as him. And when it comes to you, especially in the summer, I don't know anybody that can make a filet 
Mignon look as good rested pink the way I like it as you do brother now I know you like a wee glass of red wine as well so is it the wine you want or is it the fillet you want what drives you to the dinner it's funny because the steak doesn't taste as good if it's not with the wine like and I, I love standing in the kitchen yeah with a bottle of wine with a glass of wine actually out of the bottle yeah. <laughs> working on emptying yeah. the bottle <laughs> cooking a steak honest to god me in the kitchen cooking a steak and a glass of wine I just love it and Charlene will come in and she'll go what do you need a hand I'm like just get out just yeah. leave me alone in here yeah this is my happy place yeah you want peace yeah I do I just love it and I actually a mate of mine called me last week and uh, I had to, I said look give me a call back up. I'm doing a barbecue and he's like a barbecue it's minus three out <laughs> I was about to ask you at what point does the barbecue stop it doesn't all year round yeah I cleaned I cleaned it last week to off an egg you do use an egg still do you? yeah but it's like it's a Berghoff so it's it's okay, quite yeah, the same yeah. vibe you know it's ceramic um, and I cook on it all the time and have you a gas one as well or only coal no I, ha- I had um, no I never had a gas one I've always d- done yeah, charcoal really? I just think the food just honest uh, to god you could put like a sponge on a barbecue ah, yes. and yeah, yeah, yeah. like and you could eat a sponge it's just I know from the, all the years I spent in Boston like we used to shovel snow off I lived on a roof deck of a house but we used to shovel out our barbecue like an area around it but once the fire's lit or whatever and the gear's gone in it's grand you just pop in you pop out I mean the only disadvantage is you don't get to chill outside or sit around the fire, which is, you know, in our house, I have a couple of different ones. Like in the, the old fire is the is the one with the open flame. It's like a tapenaki plate. Yeah. It's almost like a centerpiece. It doubles up as an outdoor fire as well, and people kind of gather around it. So you don't have the benefit of that. But for sure, barbecues really are, are not just for not just for summer. If I could bring it in the house, I would. Like if I, could, if I had somewhere to get that smoke out. Like Well, that's what a lot of chefs, a lot of new kitchen designs now would have a eggs they would have them built into the kitchen line it's really yeah. those uh, you know the Japanese I uh, love those Hanro's hibachi yeah, yeah, hibachi. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get one forever, of them hibachis yeah. under, under a kitchen extraction at home really yeah the problem is if your extraction is too close because they generate so much heat yeah they do yeah like you light it and everything will be grand and then you put if you try to cook a rib oil or something with yeah fat, right I don't know whether I'd risk it in the house like you know yeah my when I was in the chateau my extraction was too low and like anytime we were flambing or doing anything with open flame at all I'd have to cut off the I mean I, I learned the hard way yeah. <laughs> where, where the, the air the air filter caught a flame one time and you're like just literally fire hosing an 80 million euro shadows like that maybe turn off the, the air quick did the barbecue and start with you was it always there or no do you know what I like I've always like like my my first kind of foray into cooking was like I've always liked food like everyone but well, not like everyone, but I've, I've always been interested in food. I was like 16, maybe, when me and Charlene were getting serious, and I, I said I'd cook as a... No, I didn't cook at the time, but I was like, I'll, I'll cook I'll cook as a... a when you were a, 16? A, valent, a Valentine's Day dinner, yeah. No yeah. way. The old romantic. Oh, uh, man. Like, <laughs> like, when you were like, I did salmon in, like... It, didn't have the washers to take it, right? <laughs> but, like, I put salmon in tinfoil and uh, I put it in, in tinfoil in the oven, but, like, I was putting, like, lettuce and everything in there. Like, oh, no. Uh, looked awful nightmare but like and then ever since that like or as we like to call it on papillote yeah alright <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love all your, your your cooking terminologies on this I think after that I just always try to make make it better and like look like trial by error I've 
fucked up so many dishes. Yeah. But, but I love going back and I love fixing things. Like, Did it ever cross your mind to go into the business like and cook or not? Like I know you've had no, like, no end of success in what you do. I loved, I do love the idea. Like whenever I'm in a place, like even in the Chateau, we, I was lucky enough to be in the Chateau with Gary and even last week we went for a nice meal and... Um, Chapter one, I love the place, but I just love going in and seeing the kitchen. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know what chefs are. I don't know what you are like. Is that normally like this is our place? Get out or no, no. not at all. Like, oh no! If someone has an interest, I mean, you know, I, I love showing people around. Oh yeah, it's class. Yeah, yeah, especially whenever you know any somebody's is interested, is interested and into it, and and they get it. Yeah, and so my time, up. my time management is an issue always with me. Like I. I always think everything has to be ready at the same time. Mm. I struggle with leaving. T- well, the, the red wine doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a second bottle I've drank there, Charlie? <laughs> yeah. I did. I did the Christmas dinner one year. Slightly jarred up. I never really drink a Christmas day. Annette's sister Grace might come down. I love a bottle of champagne with her. But for some reason, just one year, I had the champagne, gotcha. and then next thing. I must. We must have had a, a like a second <laughs> bottle, or we were tapping into it. And it, like to, usually do the dinner for half two or three o'clock, and and by two o'clock I'm kind of looking around me, going like, well, well, done. what's on and what's not on? Half <laughs> <laughs> the fucking dinner was still raw, and I was like, so then you, you just like very quickly change gear, change gear, <laughs> drop a gear in the in the weeds, and like yeah. you do in the in the restaurants over the years, you all find of a sudden a you find a way of hustling everything out, and you don't say a word to no man, and you put the head down, everyone out of my road and next thing the dinner just appeared but I'll tell you man I was I was losing service I'd say so I, I we me and Charlene are fond of like we love a drink on Christmas morning a little champagne to wake us up yeah. uh, the um the electricity went in the power outlet in, in Malahoyd and was down like it was gone until like two when, when family was over this was a few years ago oh, and right. I was having a meltdown yeah. <laughs> you know the turkey, the the turkey was ready yeah, I should have I actually should have never thought about it um, and I See, was I went having, to the chef mode there I, yeah. the way. I was kind of bringing round mates like you yeah. got much on today yeah. <laughs> how's your oven yeah yeah how's your oven yeah. um, and growing up then was your was your mommy a good old cook or was it like the way it was for me in Donegal you just you ate what was put in front of you or she, there was no she, real thought in it yeah like she used to love cooking things like pork chops but we like eating a tyre like yeah, you know? yeah. but she does great like she does love like love a stew she does a great stew an unbelievable coddle like she just every, coddle e- gets a mention nearly every week eh? every Saturday <laughs> would, like she'd alternate so every Saturday it was, it was either a stew or a coddle every week and I yeah. love that we had a dinner it. a day we had a different dinner and a different day as well like you know Wednesday was a soup day yeah Thursday was a crispy pancakes day Friday was the fish man would come around crispy pancakes uh, can you I, I, thought, I thought I had read somewhere recently crispy pancakes were coming back no way. remember your first bite of crispy pancake man blister in your face <laughs> oh my you know, god that first yeah. bite if you eat it too quick man <laughs> <laughs> but my mum she did she do like um, she do cod like and she She'd, she'd do her own batter and she was great at all that stuff we wouldn't have many takeaways but as as we got older we did but she hates garlic my ma hates garlic and yeah. like I love cooking with garlic I just think it's the old boy used belongs to get, in everything must have went for a pint the odd Wednesday night but the old boy was always home before like midnight half eleven midnight and do you remember midweek sports special back in the day it used to be on on a Wednesday night but like even now like 10 o'clock 11 o'clock I'm, I'm falling asleep Gone. like I'm not at work you know, I'm like <laughs> I, even way way back then I'm like oh stay up for a couple of chips off the old 
wild boy, and he'd always bring back the the fish and chips, you know. And were they in newspaper back then? I well, not in newspaper. No, newspaper only seemed to be when I went over to Scotland or England. It's definitely an English thing. Definitely an English. Was that? Thing, or yeah. Do you ever have it in Ireland? No. No. I don't ever remember. I remember seeing it on the TV. Uh, yeah. Just, just a white Scot- paper I, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. I went to Scotland when I was a young fella, and I saw it in the newspaper. All right, but no, it was definitely wasn't an Irish thing. And as close as we are to the north, thankfully we didn't. Surely that wasn't healthy either. Right? Surely the ink was leaking into I know, the chips. Yeah, and... you would imagine so. But I, I always remember when I worked in Stormont uh, back in the late nineties. Like we used to buy these, it was fancy pantsy fake newspapers. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah. And then you would you would tear them up and serve to try and get that authentic feel for like a fish and chips. So <laughs> the Scala restaurant at the Stormont Hotel, if you, you got a fish and chips, it was on the plate. But you ruffled up this newspaper sheet and you just bought them. You bought them like you would greaseproof paper. Yes. <laughs> you know, so fake newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd be like put on a few good results for United there how do you find getting ingredients because I think a question I always get asked as a chef one is how you get the timing right and then the other one is like do we use very different ingredients in professional kitchens but you seem to be able to get your hands on tomahawks and fillets and yeah well look we're quite lucky with the butchers we have around us like whether I thought I was going to say he knows every chef yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I do guys <laughs> quickly help yeah yeah uh, no like Kerrigan's and Malahide are great yeah. and obviously Ricker and Sutton just killing yeah, yeah, yeah. Higgins ah, yeah, like they're deadly yeah the boys so um, but like ingredients I love going to the Asian uh, markets I think they're yeah. vegetables and they're herbs and yeah, yeah. but like so there's loads of them knocking about and anything you're looking for now I think it's easy to find isn't it there's not too much you can't get like yeah well you're lucky anyway living in Dublin like I mean it's definitely more access to we're, we're definitely sheltered from it living in Dublin because I mean, I know from talking to you and other pals around, and I'd be yeah. like, oh, I found this, and they'd be going, where'd you find that? And I'd be like, oh, I was in the Asian supermarket. And yeah. To, you know. Um, well, I'm lucky that I'm down here nearly every week, a couple yeah. of times a week in Dublin, you know what I mean? The Asian market is around the corner from where we record. It's so amazing place, I've been getting in there for as many years as I, I can remember, and their their online service is brilliant, actually. Minimum spend of 50, isn't it, though? I don't know, actually. Well, I've, I spend I've, that when I go in, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I've, like I'm always... Parsley. Spring roll pastry, wonton pastries, we dump Wrappers oh, and all that rappers stuff. Are I know, and got you drawing paste like when I'm making Korean Stick fried chicken. Here, oh, listen, man. So I'm steady. We sneaky bit of MSG. Get it. <laughs> I, I use it all the time. I Do you know what? I don't even feel. know how much that gear I'm meant to be using, man. I'm just like, <laughs> not a wee bit. Uh, I find it just too salty. I think you know when you put too much in. Yeah, yeah. you kind of just, I just be flicking it in. But no, I've been a fan of the old, uh, Asian market for a long time, online or just going in in person and, and dipping. But yeah, definitely compared to. You know, strolling around at home and going into shops or stores. I tell you where, when I go home to Donegal, I went to Benny and Colm Ball Buffet. But my boy, Big Joe and Benny, I went to college with him. He's probably one of the best bakers in the country. But I can't buy sourdough where I live. There used to be a French guy that had an unbelievable bakery right by me. So anytime I go to Donegal now, it's like this big thing to come by where you would take that for granted. In it's the funny, city. isn't it? I can't, I can't get a good, authentic loaf of sourdough unless I'm making it myself. And we're not all around home enough for me to be rocking out feeding a starter it, yeah, yeah. and you feeding it and using it enough. The amount of sourdoughs I buy, right, with yeah. the intention of doing breakfast the next morning and it just left yeah. in the press. Really? I weigh so many sourdoughs, like, and probably should be breaking it up into Yeah, we'll freeze it, like, yeah. I suppose. I mean, the one good thing is toast or whatever, but outside of the first day, that's all they're really good for, then croutons or toast yeah. or what have you, you know You know the crack if you're running on the water, but do you? Is that when you put it in the oven? Yeah, look, yeah. so if you, if you have a sourdough that's 
you'll get away with it two days even just run it underwater yeah. and then pop it back into the oven but you'll have to you have to eat it then in one sitting it'll bring yeah. it back to life right interesting yeah 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 you gotta remember you cooked a dish on the uh, was it the six o'clock yeah, yeah, yeah. the time I was on with you you did yeah, like yeah. A, um, a prawn linguine and yeah yeah oh man I made that dish every week for like no way about five years yeah. no way I loved it and I still make it yeah we, we eat it. that at home all the time yeah so good yeah so simple yeah and I think when you start to understand food you really simplify things even more and more and more especially if you start spending a little bit more money on ingredients be it prawns or lobster or steak or whatever it is you really want to eat that thing so yeah. you, you take everything else away we know now even from the few weeks of doing this it's uh, people that understand ingredients will really say oh no no just leave it alone leave it alone and that when you're a professional chef at the start you definitely over over complicate everything that you do really but uh, yeah well as you're com- I'm sure acting is similar I'm sure you overact at the start well, maybe you don't, sure. I don't Listen, know. Absolutely, but definitely chefs overcook like, that the oh, And the yeah. confident ones do less and less and less yeah. to the ingredients. And, th- and then you go in and go, how did he just give me such a simple thing? And it was like blowing my mind. Mick's food in chapter one is like oh, man. super, like, super complicated, but sometimes can be very simple because he uses the world's best larder, not just oh, Ireland's yeah. best larder, you know? It's just he's outrageous. In that, yeah, like, it's incredible. Just, uh, oh, is that, oh, that's like the hardest restaurant in the country to get into. That ah, but I know someone you, who rings yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You rang me literally the day before you were going. <laughs> well, you know what happened, right? My God, wife it was Charlene's it. birthday. No, my wife booked it for our anniversary about four years ago. And she goes, I'm going to have to get an email off Chapter One. And like, it's saying they're in the UK. She booked a restaurant called Chapter One in the UK. Stop. Yeah. So, so again, Gar helped me out again. It's like, you don't know anybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, You can't go all the time. It's very expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my God, the food is just yeah, unbelievable. No, it's amazing, yeah. But you see, it's the deep detail in there yeah. there's very few chefs in the country that you wouldn't feel confident going head to head to headway or whatever and all very much a lot of boys on a level it's almost like you know Arsenal's top of the league today Man City tomorrow but Michael in chapter one I don't know it's just it's insane the level but just that, like that Michelin kind of you know it's, it's another yeah. level it's just art they're pure yeah. artists like the plates just look absolutely yeah I mean Gibos has had two stars for what we've got to 30 years I'd say you know what I mean you you could see them going to three, probably for different reasons. To make, I mean, they're they're two star, two both two star Michelin restaurants, or whatever. But without a shadow of a doubt, one or the other, or both, are certainly going to get a third one. I'd say. Does it like, become obsessive yeah. for those guys? Well, I'd, like, I'd say. Well, it must be mentally draining, like to you know to go from one to two is an unbelievable jump. You know, I mean, getting one is incredible. Getting two is is, is outrageous. But there's there's got to be no doubt about it, and. Michael wouldn't make any, uh, you know, he wouldn't put any doubt in your mind. Like, you know, if he wants three, I would say, and whereas anyone else would maybe rest on their laurels or be happy to stay consistent. I think there's no doubt. Anyone that's really at the pinnacle or at the top, it, there's, a, there's a certain amount of obsession there. Oh, and I, like, I, I agree. You know, Absolutely. whether you're playing football, you're acting, or you're cooking, or yeah. you're bricklaying, or, I mean, when, if you're really at the top end of your game, yeah. most of the time you're thinking about that. Well, yeah, like, even if it's a and you're giving up, you're giving up yeah, something yeah. on a personal yeah. level, and there's no, there's no two ways about it. You know, I was very fortunate many years ago to collaborate with Michael on a dinner, and it was just before he came down to work uh, in Dublin, and because um, he used to not work over the winter when he was in Craigan's Castle, and he wanted to stay relevant and stay in the news and be doing something, and just to bring that talent into their own kitchen, and for our, my chefs to have somebody else there, like working with them for two or three days, it was just 
just the the level, well, watching them seasoning and the levels and the thought process. And I mean, I probably ha- was asking them more questions than any of the younger yeah. chefs that was in my kitchen. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget them few days. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Coley and Sully. Now is the perfect time to dig into a Coley and Sully risotto. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully's squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. So if you meet an actor that like, has really made it and you want to know something, well, do they happily share that with you or not always? It's, it's, about, it's about work ethic, I think, yeah. with a lot of these yeah. people. And I know yeah. a lot of things come natural to people in all aspects, like whether it be yeah. football or whatever. Like, you, you see it over time. Like, I remember being playing a small part in Veronica Guerin years ago and a lot of my scenes were with Kate Blanchett. And I remember looking at her going... Oh, like everything she did was just it was all played like down at a level where you go she's not doing enough but actually when you see it on camera it was just Perfect. unbelievable Heath Ledger was the same when we did Ned Kelly he, he underplayed stuff so much that you were like that looks and sounds a bit odd <laughs> but actually when you see it on camera it comes to life is that a confidence thing do you think I, I think they know I think with, with, with film it's very very different to theatre where you have to project in theatre okay. film is like it's all in the eyes like you can speak lowly you've got a mic on you It'll yeah, pick it up. Okay. Uh, don't yeah. need to be screaming your head off. Um, Tom Von Lawler, like he, the way he works, like he, like he's a very different man to Nidge. I know. remember the first time I saw him interviewed yeah. in his studio. <laughs> I mean, you look at him, you'd frighten the life out of you, like as as Nidge or whatever. And then as this polished English actor, I was like, <laughs> is how did he get it so right? And he really did. Uh, he's just brilliant. I mean, okay. that's not what it works. He's just brilliant. But did he spend time with like a lot of heads? Or how did that no. play out? No, I mean, there'd be times like where I'd be asked on set, like if you hear me, Natan would often go, if you hear me saying something that's not right, and they, sometimes they get it wrong. You, yeah. you hear birthday and you go, ah! Yeah. It's fucking birthday. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> I hear birthday, I want to put my head through a television. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it just drives me mad. <laughs> right. So there's loads of them kind of things. So he'd often say, I mean, they, they ask you, they want to hear you say, pull them up. Yeah, but then you're gone. You, you don't want to be. You want to be leaving them at it too. It's like, <laughs> like if you hear something that you're doing wrong in the middle of a take, you're gonna be like, what the fuck does he? Do? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Him, yeah. I want you off, but yeah. like he's calling me up now way too much. <laughs> Leave me at it. Did you enjoy? Ah, I like we. I had the best time of my life. Like we had five years on it. I missed a year. Five, I, mean, five, I remember yeah. you saying that when, when we went to Manchester recently. You know, we were getting a picture taken with a fan or whatever, and you'd said five years, and I was like, Jesus! Like I knew it was on for a long time. And how long? A much of your, much of the year was taken up with it. Like it was. Uh, not long. Like maybe three months, and you'd be in and out all the time. Like, but I missed a year. I was doing touring around America with a, a, a Martin McDonough play and. I was lucky enough that they kept the role open for me you know he's gone on holidays so right. Elmo's in Hyde in England <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're just praying they don't kill you off and then actually the last year we did it I, I missed the birth of my second child Ollie because stop 
it was like the day it was pa- the day after St Patrick's Day, so the the ninth or the eighteenth of March. Shelley went into labour, and we were filming the very first day of the fifth season. And she went through the night, and I'm sitting in the rotunda at like five in the morning, and I meant to be picked up from the house at half six. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. She got to like ten centimetres, and there was a car waiting for me outside. Drove me to Ballymun, we did a pub scene, and. Ollie was born while I'm on set and just she have to be there. Yeah. And then I went on my lunch break they drove me to the to, to, to the matter and to the matter to the rotunda. Whenever whenever my Ollie was born, haven't Ollie too, yeah. I was just loading the van to go to the taste of Donegal. It's on stage at eight o'clock. Next thing I came walking in. I lifted, I remember lifted a thermo, went out to the Jeep, I came back in. And that was leaning over the, the island. And I just went, oh, for fuck's sake, nearly had no time for this today. And, you know, it just fell out of my mouth. I was like, oh, you idiot. Sixing, mad, up to the hospital, whatever. Ollie was born an hour and a half later or so. And uh, and then I remember Kevin Dundam was there, Nevin and a few other boys. And they set up the stage, got there at five to eight, did the Thought show. They were all in the and then, and then yeah, went yeah, on the yeah. batter. But I remember I was in the delivery room with a chef jacket on me because I was ready just to go straight on. So he said to me, like, do you ever take that? Thing off you, do you know what I mean? It's just it's what was on, and I had nothing else to change, didn't they? It's just funny when you. What say about that, the food around sets? Is that always is that something that's gotten better over time? Or? It's, it's definitely. Do you remember Fitzers? They used to yeah, be, yeah. like they were great. I used to love them, and that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's all budget based. Yeah. A lot of it, you know. So if they're not getting the money and they're they're cutting corners. I mean, what drives me mad is those hot boxes. Like your food's yeah. left them in an hour and they're just fucking cooking again. They're, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, when you say you didn't have Kelly, like, did you film in Australia or did you? Yeah, film all in Australia. And, yeah. I mean, you were young. Am I right in saying you were the same age then as your wee boy Orna? A little bit older. I, I was. I was. I think I was nineteen when I went to Australia. I was yeah. there for like five months. Uh, Where did they give you a house in then? Melbourne? Yeah, hotel house, house. I stayed in a hotel for maybe the first two or three weeks, and then it was just like it became like a prison. You're like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love getting, I love like rooms. Uh, I love all that. People think hotels are great, but if you travel a lot with work or whatever, they're they, oh, they they're really horrible. are a prison. They really are, yeah. Terrible. And, and you just, as you know, you can't cook for yourself or do anything, so you're just spending a fortune on hotel food. Yeah. But yeah, I was 19. No, but oh, my first job, I was 14, and that that's the age Orm was when he did his first his lead. First, yeah, his, his first lead role. Yeah. That was just last year. Yeah. The movie came out this year, right? Yeah. Wow. How's that been being at the other side? It's a are you agent daddy, are you? Or yeah, so, yeah, somebody rang me the other day and said, Can you get me tickets for that? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And they go, We'll ask Oren, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky bastard <laughs> uh, no he's loving it he's great he's, he's a good kid he's in transition years it's, geez I tell you what uh, man I mean obviously I've, I've come across him with you a couple of times like, but I couldn't get over the swag off him on the Late Late Show a few weeks before Christmas Jesus he grew up like 10 years so in the mad. space of a year he, it's funny like, we look, did, we look did a, Billy Big Balls I thought to myself we did the researcher call a few days before and you know they'd ask him how was it it was the most amazing thing in the world and I was going calm that fucking down now because like this is a Billy Barry kid like yeah. Yeah. there'll be people at home screaming at the television going get him off and uh, I was all nervous I, like the late late makes me nervous I've been on it a few times now that live kind of audience stuff yeah. I don't know what it is the room was sweating back in the dressing room and I went out with Oren and he, he made me look like I was the new kid on the block I was like you little bastard where did the confidence come from do you think is it from the, la- like a, the I don't the know I don't know because he's very he's like he's a very he's classic a quiet, quiet ah, kid yeah. Yeah. telling me that for he was um, I, I don't know he's intelligent he loves school and I think when you have a certain like level of 
of intelligence or you, you, you know. Or you, a certain level of attention since the movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know, I think you just carry that. Like, like I mean, I remember when I was Plus 15. I've seen you doing a recent Yeah, been but a, I remember I was 15, did Conor McPherson's debut film called Saltwater, and we were out in the, in the, in the uh, halfway house. The word vague was in the script, and Con- or Conor says to me, will you be a little bit more vague? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd read the line, he goes, will you be a little bit more vague? And I was like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And he's like, you're not being vague. I had no idea what the word vague meant. <laughs> but I was too fucking scared to ask what vague meant. And I was like, what? So since that day, if I don't know what the fuck something is, yeah. I'm going to ask. Yeah. yeah. So Orton has this thing where he knows that shit. So he says nothing. He's like, fucking, yeah, whatever. It's funny, isn't it? And I, I used to work myself up over that sort of stuff. But um, you know, it's kind of, I kind of find that a little bit refreshing to hear that because I remember first going into kitchens and the thing uh, in kit- professional kitchens is there's loads of French terminal yeah and someone will ask you to what sorry what's mise en place mise en place what is that everything in place preparation the literal right, okay. everything so your mise en place or your mise is like everything ready for service right yeah but so I mean in your spuds the minute you start time. working in a kitchen you'll you find that, that so much yeah. yeah but when you jump into then when it gets in a bit all the sauces we just call them by their French names but I'd be very conscious because I remember how shit I used to feel when I'd be in a kitchen and a chef would say and there was certain chefs I mean I think kitchens have changed a little bit but yeah. they nearly know that you are really green so they lean in oh, you know, really? Really? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah and yeah, so your pronunciation all, of it or just, no, just anything about all it all of the cuts of vegetables have different names so like julienne means little strips brumois yeah. uh, is really fine dice uh, uh, macedoine, macedoine is a little bit bigger you know like Chiffonade is like again like like a julienne but not quite the same it applies to herbs so to be all these words but when I remember hearing them going and you didn't have your phone you couldn't leg it out right okay oh, yeah. but nobody was yeah. doing it to be like let's test this I, out now. some of them would I remember working with this French fella and he was a <clears throat> I was a demi chef so the kitchens work on you come up so you're an apprentice a commie a demi a chef to party that's like the different steps you go up but there was this commie on, on a section and this French fella was a chef to party so he was running the section and he was getting this young commie to Julien something and I was working away or whatever and I looked across and I, Thomas was the French fella and he looked across at your man and he just walked over with the bin and he was like oh I see you Julien and he just pushed it all into the bin oh and he was like God. get more carts and I was kind of going he didn't even show him how to do it again yeah. but it was this egotistical yeah. thing that used to be in kitchens I think it's gone now I think I think kitchen as a workplace is a much better environment to be in I think for a lot yeah, of because it. we all have this idea just chefs screaming from the Gordon Ramsay's and the Marco Pierre yeah, and look it's, it's probably TV like, stuff like, it's yeah. probably like I think the acting world got a really bad rap in the last few years about especially you know older actors bringing younger actors in and all of the different things that have come out about yeah. your profession well our profession was the same like there was a there was a bank of chefs that gave us a really bad name and like every situation you're in then people re- re- like they talk about the Gordon Ramsay and you know there's a handful of lads that were and some ladies that were behaving like that mm. but unfortunately someone was putting a camera in front of them or fortunately depending on the way yeah, yeah. but then when you get to the 
like I've nearly 30 chefs working in the kitchen so I'm constantly recruiting because people are moving countries and you know I'm trying to convince young people coming into the trade look it's not like that yeah. you know you're coming into a profession where we really care about ultimately the guests because we're trying to deliver a guest experience but we also really care about producers we care about food we care about you you're like you're a chef yeah. now and I'm going to help you in your career I can't to work for someone who's screaming at you or oh, no. you know back then but I mean I've, I've been in kitchens where there was some really poor behaviour going on and you used to just put the head down well I'm terrible at that like if you speak like I was awful at that so, like if you speak to me in a certain way like over the, the head goes down, yeah, yeah head down like, not head goes I'll just see you later that go on with like yeah. directors a few, a few times, yeah, I walked off a job for because of it, and they got they got me back, and I walked off again. I was like, "Fuck!" Why? Because well, someone was just speaking shit to you. Yeah. So for right. movies, and I was like, "You can do that to someone else. You're not going to do it to me." And right, I was, okay. and I, I didn't give a, I didn't give a shit about the job. I was like, "Just don't forget about it." Like yeah, and yeah. I, I just I'm a little bit hot headed like that, right? Because I think everyone should be treated with respect. And, Definitely. Yeah. And when you're not, I'm like, no. For you then, preference wise, film, TV, or theater, like what's what? Or cooking, obviously, or cooking, whatever one. <laughs> the most, the most Benjamins, it's, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. always about the Benjamins. It's always about the Benjamins, yeah. But say, say money's no issue forever. Then, what, which one is looked upon by actors as the holy grail? It, Listen, does it depend on the movies? Show, do movies are great? Doing TV shows that you get to tell a story over a longer period of time yeah. is great. And then theater, like I love doing theater. Yeah. Love it. I love that immediate reaction from an audience. Like I love that. Fucking Nervous. fear you get in you before yeah. you go out for your first. Does that ever leave you? Never, yeah. never. I did a show in the gate a few years ago, and you know, you, if you miss, you don't know your line. You're meant to you call line, and like the stage manager will call your line out. They're on the they're on the whole script at the side because they're calling cues for lights. And it's me and Don Richley on stage in the gate, and I was going, I don't know your line. I can't help you. And he's looking at me going, I don't know your line. I can't help you. And so we're both blaming each other, and it's just silence. What probably was like three or four minutes felt like an hour. No. Oh, no. And I'm fucking losing. I'm starting to sweat. This was what would the audience well, Yeah, there. yeah. And then Stop. the stage manager just shouted my line out. And I was like, oh, And then, fuck. And then I just kept it going. And then you're gone. You're like, they hate me. I'm shy. And but you said something there a few minutes ago, like about the late, late and the audience and the lights or whatever. I mean, we do big food festivals and whatever. I mean, I, I could be in a radio studio or a TV studio and it's probably been seen by 10, 20, 30 times more people. And it's irrelevant. It never, ever bothers me. When you're there and you're cooking and you've, you're holding an audience, it could be eight or eight, six, seven, eight hundred people there. I hate that. That's terrible. You, my insides start to turn because it's not just about the cooking. It's like a one-man fucking comedy yeah. act. And if you don't have the, like the beans to carry a bit of humour as well as the cooking, <laughs> yeah. you, it's it's an immediate reaction. You know what I mean? So yeah. I imagine theatre. If you're in a show like that, there's not much reaction. It must be really hard to stay composed. The thing is, an audience loving, an audience loving you mess up because they're going, I got to see that live. You know, yeah. but actually for the actor it's like this is oh, this is yeah. horrific come here we have a little tradition on the podcast where you have to bring in a cookbook and here I am looking around your chair I'm looking behind your chair under your chair you never What's do it you're cold I, I said to Charlene <laughs> today I was like where's our cookbooks because I haven't seen them in a while and she goes we fucked them out <laughs> I'm just like, why would you do that? And maybe because I just stopped using them all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, starting when I started cooking, I loved the 15 minute meals. Like, I just, so I always used the Jamie Oliver books as such. Do you know, but, you're, we've only one person that didn't tell us a Jamie Oliver. I know, yeah. It's but I had, wonder, I had loads. It's no of wonder them. the hers meant it. <laughs> yeah, but I had loads of them at Gary Rhodes and like, yeah. a, like. God rest them. Ah, yeah. Uh, my first, 
Outside of Floyd, Gary Rhodes, I blame for a lot of bad hairdos in really, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean the nineties? Well, yeah, still, it's still shocking. But but Gary Rhodes is the reason I have bad hairdos, man. I used to copy his hairdo all the time. You know, I loved Gary Rhodes growing yeah. up. So, but he was on TV, and Floyd was on TV. That's and, the thing. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's how you have a cookbook. You, you, yeah, you follow the chef online. But I actually had one book that I loved. I don't know where it is now, and it wasn't so much recipes, but it was all the equipment and the utensils you needed. Was one of his, or one of Jamie Aldis? No, no, this was a thick book. I don't know where I got it, but not only did it have all the utensils you need in the kitchen, it had spices and, and oh, yeah. bases of sauces. And so it, I loved it because anything you needed to know, you'd, you'd find it in this book. It was like an encyclopedia of, you know, stuff about. And Charlene cooking. just cleared cleared the presses. Charlene yeah. was like, get them out. <laughs> I don't, do you, I don't, do you like following a recipe, or are you more of a. You'd look at the picture and then do it your own way, but inspiration. I, 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 like, I like tasting food. I like, correct me if I'm wrong right I find with a lot of times that I'm cooking from a recipe from a cookbook I always feel like the chef's not fucking telling us something really? <laughs> because I've, I've done a few and I'm like that's not, not as nice right. as he's saying it is yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. Yeah, well, I, look I've been saying this for years there's probably like Jimmy Oliver's stuff is so good people go back to it because again he's got it's heavily it, tested it's heavily tested you know Otterlingi's another one where, it, where it's brilliant Nevins is really good because I know Orla Broderick and a lot of them work on them books and they're, they're tried and tested and actually yeah. There's a lot of money behind them. It's a very expensive thing to put together. Moriarty, Mark's book, excellent as well. Flavor that he got his first book. Look, it's stupid to year. think they wouldn't because if you're putting something so there, you want to be liked and whatever. So yeah, there's there's loads of people probably throw recipes together. I mean, I remember chatting to Tony Singh. Like he's a Scotch dude, but Indian heritage. You might see him on TV. Like, and uh, I remember him saying sending me one time. Like, once you tweak. Uh, three things in, in it's the 10% book. I think it's, isn't it it's now it's now your recipe but sometimes Nettie puts a book in front of me I won't say from who my pet peeve with recipes is a pinch of something right a pinch oh, of I know, salt I know. have you ever looked at what a, pi- a pinch of salt wouldn't flavour a fucking cup of water <laughs> yeah it wouldn't you know what I mean I'm like going what's this pinch a drop of salt a, a drop a dash and a pinch fucking give me the millimetres tear it dude Get your but that, but that's from someone who goes, I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. Go in there, double fisted with salt, because that's what that's somebody what it takes. So, somebody sent us a recipe recently. Do you remember that? The mince and the curry. Oh, Dino, <laughs> that's a friend of ours. We were having dinner in Manchester <laughs> a few months this ago. This is horrific, boy. And a good friend of ours, Dino, turned around and said, "Have you ever had a mince curry?" And I went, "Mince? Dino, yeah. What are you talking about?" And he was really deeply offended that I was so horrified that he was making a curried mince. He gets mince at home, fries it up, and then puts the curry sauce over. Then he makes curry sauce. So it's like a curried shepherd's pie. Nah, he's like, and look, trust me, lads, just like, fucking get it away from me. I'm not having that. I'm going to go through my phone and show Gareth in a wee way because he was making it last week and he sent me a picture of the process <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm just going to block you from... <laughs> <laughs> Stop sending me messages. <laughs> well, look, Lawrence, thanks a million for coming in and seeing us today. It, it's, you know, I, I've known for a long time your love of food. Um, we can't really, you know, hand it to your mammy. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> thank all those chefs and all those lovely hotels and restaurants around Malahide and the rest of Dublin that you frequent. But look, it's been brilliant having you in, brother, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for having us, lads. Thanks, brilliant. Love it. 
Producer Russell comes to the fore at this section every week where we get our listener questions. Have you anything for us, Russell? Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've had a few questions, so let's get on with uh, some of these. Ashling has been in touch. She says, I like to cook a lot, but have an intense dislike of butter. I know saying that in front of two of you is scary. So she tries to avoid using it. Can I ask if there's an alternative to butter when making a roux or a flour-based sauce? Now, cleverly, Ashling says, uh, when baking, she uses a flavourless oil instead of butter for that but for things like roux and white sauces yeah well if if it's specifically for a roux uh, then yeah you can do what's called a, a Swiss roux which is basically using a vegetable oil uh, equal quantities vegetable oil to flour and it's the same idea the thing about a Swiss roux though compared to a, a basic butter roux a blonde roux or whatever Swiss roux or something are generally added to a dish towards the end so you have your liquid, you have it to whatever flavour and has gone in there. It's bubbling away or plopping away, and then you'll mix up your Swiss roux with the oil. Jeez, uh, I had so long since I had a Swiss roux in my I hand. Haven't seen, uh, yeah, I haven't seen anyone do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't use time. it in a, in a lifetime. But what you do then is you're 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 going to mix the oil and the flour. You'll create a paste. The thicker the paste, the more flour it's in there. So again, it's all relative. It's all relative to how much liquid that you have, how much oil you use. So you you got to make sure you know small quantity, and then it's a small bit of oil, small. Bit of flour and you're going to whisk them up together until they're they're almost like a really thick milkshake pouring consistency and what you do then is you'll just pour that in and add it to your liquid whisk it and there's a little bit of a delay of about 20-30 seconds so add it bit by bit without me knowing what it is that you're cooking I would just say make enough of it and add it bit by bit but you know with regards to a roux I mean there's loads of other alternatives if you don't eat butter but if it's a roux that you're after that's the quickest way of of giving you an alternative. Yeah, or she's kind of doing it already with the with the bacon, mm. but using a margarine or a non-butter substitute does work. You know, basically a roux is flour and fat of some description. The best way to do it is butter, but you can use, I mean, Gary's just giving you an example of uh, of that other style of roux there. But then the other thing as well, if it's it's obviously corn flour or potato starch, mm. will thicken something up as well, but you won't get the flavour the butter gives you. No. And that's where the magic is. I've made many a roux over time but I've never heard of a Swiss roux that's actually it's a very old technique yeah. and it, the problem is with it is that sometimes you can taste the flour because it hasn't cooked out correctly mm. yeah that's the it, challenge it, it, it also can sort of discolour something it, yeah. it doesn't give a sauce or a dish the sort of the same clarity or or Lots consistency of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of of what say if you're making a bashful now and you were, say you just had boiled milk and you had a cl- like a a clotted onion in there cloves bay leaf and the onion or whatever it also will play around with the color it'll make it it'll grade a little bit it, it top of your mouth it just it is not as okay. good an alternative which is why it's a rare uh, thing to use but it is an alternative and that's what you're after. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that question, Ashling. The next question comes from Niall, uh, and he says, what is your take on game? As it's gaming season now, do you use it much in your own workplaces, and why aren't we using it more? Are people afraid of it? Mm. 
Mm. I would say you could nearly do a whole podcast on this. So um, the reality is when the summer leaves uh, professional kitchens and you move into autumn and winter, that's when we look forward to seeing all the game. And it's, uh, venison has been on my menu in the hotel for the last 10 years and the kitchens I was in before that. And that's probably, I would say, the most accessible one for us as Irish people. Um, if you if you if you are lucky enough to know people that go out shooting you can get you know pheasant and snipe and teal and partridge and woodcock woodcock there's loads yeah. of game out there but I would say if, you, if you're just venturing into the world of game for the first time I would say look for venison and if you if you like beef then I would be fairly sure you're going to like What was the question there again? What is basically your take on it? Uh, does your workplace use it? And why aren't we using it more? Oh, wow, because we're going to say, yeah, I thought there was that bit at the end, yeah. Uh, I suppose it all depends on what part of Ireland that you're in as well. I know whenever I cooked in the Midlands in Viewmount House, obviously landlocked Longford, that's when my restaurant there, VM, came into its own because, I mean, I had, a, I had two chefs that were avid shooters, God rest only, day recently he was an unbelievable shooter and he taught Daniel and some of the other chefs how to do it and I mean the boys would be going out they literally lived for shooting season you know what I mean but it was a huge part of, you know the old post in Cavan when I lived there as well we had a few different boys shooting for us and whatnot. Venison's one of the as, as far as maybe entry level for anybody that's not mad into it like you know venison's wild but it's sort of farmed wild you know what I mean like and, and again as far as gaminess is concerned it's not as you know if you're eating teal or you're eating mallard really really strong really acquired taste Here. well I say acquired taste but it you know in skilled hands with the right condiments and whatnot absolutely absolutely beautiful but again um, for me where I live again in the Midlands and working a lot in France I I'm surrounded by a lot of game, you know what I mean? So I suppose, I think geographically it depends what part of Ireland that you're in. Maybe you're going out, you like cooking it yourself and you like eating it, but you're not seeing a lot of menus. It just might be a case of... You don't see a lot of it in supermarkets and I think like a lot of the people that listen to this I'm sure are... are Well, you you only eat what you can buy, I suppose, yeah. And I don't, and I've been asking this question for years, like why we're not eating more. Venison I think is the obvious one because I think it's the most approachable for the home cook it's so there's a, deli- there's a surplus there's loads of it right and it's run. it has to be cold because it runs amok and yeah. it destroys the landscape so it actually has to be gotten rid of yeah. and we should be eating more of it end of story and it's so delicious it's like oh venison ven- unbelievable like, on, like and it, like the loin if you're you know if you don't like the heavy game flavour which Gary is talking about it's it's hard to get it into the loin but when you move into the haunch and the shoulder and yeah. the shanks it comes up a little bit it's incredible and it's it's a big win for flavour and when you're a chef ultimately your goal every time you try and cook something is to chase big flavour yeah. and that's what that's what it's game probably the best dish I ever had on the view my menu was a venison dish that I had on it's, yeah. I mean it's still it's a, I still cook it to this day just beautiful yeah good question yeah, so game is definitely a huge part of our larder when we get to these months and I don't know why we should be eating more of it but yeah. the big but I suppose though it's like it's, of it's one of these things if you started seeing more of it in stores yeah people are buying it yeah sh- chefs are buying it because, needed, I think. yeah a bit of, a bit of education around it but again if people 
people can't buy can't get their hands on it you know what I mean but pro chefs certainly can get their hands on it we've got loads of suppliers that are bringing it to us you know it's one of those things that shouldn't just be for the high end restaurant you know thank you so much for those questions and for those answers if you do have any queries yourself send them by email to dishing at goloudnow.com okay thanks for listening this week and what a fantastic guest uh, Lawrence was I got to know him over lockdown because uh, him and I live fairly close together and both of us used Malahide Park as a mm-hmm. where we used to do our 5k close to your house so and I had lo- we didn't really talk about it too much today but loads of conversations with him about barbecue and I mean he's a real pro when it comes to the oh, barbecue yeah, he's a it's great he's skill, a great cook yeah for sure um, so look if you enjoyed that uh, podcast please go and subscribe and leave a review that really helps us um, and thanks to our sponsors again as always Cully and Sully for sponsoring us it really helps with us putting this together and so as always thanks for listening to Dishing It Out a Go Loud original podcast uh, tune in and wish us all a happy new year